Episode 56, How Convenience Becomes Adherence. T.J. Parker from PillPack explains. American healthcare entrepreneurs and executives you want to know. Talking. Relentlessly seeking value. Talking with T.J. Parker from PillPack, I realized something odd. It is a fairly undisputed fact across every other industry in the universe that if you want to gain customer loyalty, meaning adherence to your product or service by any other terms, you you need to make using your product or service a beautiful and convenient experience, one that is integrated into daily life. It's kind of behavioral economics 101. So... It's a little bit strange that this notion comes up so rarely when discussing adherence. We talk about patient engagement and patient empowerment and shared decision making, and all of these things are incredibly important. But it's hard to be empowered when I have to drag my kids to the pharmacy three times a month to pick up prescriptions on different refill schedules. T.J. Parker from PillPack, who I am speaking with today, is looking to make sure that the adherence conversation includes mention of convenient and simplified pharmacy dispensing. My name is Stacey Richter, and this podcast is sponsored by Franklin HealthCom. Welcome to Relentless Health Value, T.J. Thank you for having me. Let's talk about PillPack. You have a really interesting origin story. Tell me about it. Sure. So I actually grew up in a family that owned and operated uh, your very traditional mom and pop pharmacy up in uh, Concord, New Hampshire. Uh, and so as a young kid, was both working behind the counter in the pharmacy as well as uh, actually out delivering medications to people in their homes. And through that experience, saw firsthand how frustrating and complicated it was to manage multiple meds. You know, everyone had this cornucopia of pill bottles sitting on their kitchen counter, this Excel spreadsheet where they tried to sort of catalog their meds and they highlighted it and crossed it out as meds changed constantly sort of calling their doctors and trying to stay on top of refills, uh, and then filling these very classic sort of pill boxes every Sunday night as part of their routine. And, you know, through that experience, really felt like there had to be a better way to, to service these customers. I went off to pharmacy school with sort of the vague idea of, of doing that. During pharmacy school, it got sort of what felt like separately interested in technology and design. So I was taking classes across the street from pharmacy school at Mass College of Design, uh, I then got involved over at MIT helping run the 100K, which was their version of a business plan competition at the time. And through that, ended up meeting what would become my co-founder, Elliot Cohen, who was at Sloan, and was starting these hackathons called Hacking Medicine, where we'd get physicians, engineers, designers all in the same room for a weekend. We'd sort of work on ideas in healthcare. Uh, folks would present their idea at the end of the weekend. So we had spent a couple of years working on those together. And through this entire time, you know, using back to mid the mid-2000s, my dad had started a new pharmacy that was doing pre-sorted and packaged meds, but for nursing homes and long-term care facilities. You know, after I graduated school, was really thinking about what I what I wanted to do next, and PillPack was a really interesting way to take everything I learned about starting a company and creating software and designing great products, and couple that with a really specific sort of back-end operational expertise to fix what we think is a really broken system, and that, that ended up becoming PillPack. So talk about PillPack. What exactly and specifically do you do? Sure. So PillPack is a full-service pharmacy that makes it really simple for folks that have to manage medications on a regular basis. Uh, and so we do that a couple ways. The first and, and the most obvious, if you went to our website or saw one of our ads, is that 
we actually pre-sort and package the meds into individual dose packs based on when you take them throughout the course of the day. So instead of getting seven or eight bottles in the mail or picking them up at the pharmacy, uh, the meds come pre-sorted by when you take them. So you have a pack at 8 a.m. that has the four medications that you take at 8 a.m. You have a pack at 12 p.m. with whatever meds you take at 12 p.m. Uh, and those show up at your door automatically every two weeks in this personalized dispenser that has a label on the side with an image of each medication, all the directions centralized in one place. Uh, and then we manage all of your refills for you so you don't have to constantly stay on top of that yourself uh, and we coordinate with your insurance company so that you can actually get that box shipped to you every two weeks. Uh, we also have really easy to use web tools so you can see when your medications are coming, see how much your insurance company paid, what your bill was, see sort of a calendar of the history of your meds. Uh, and then we recently launched a medication reminder app so you never have to update it yourself as your meds change, the reminder app uh, stays up to date. Uh, and you can set reminders based on things beyond just the time. So, uh, you know, you can trigger it based on when you're leaving the house or getting to work or sort of other contextually aware triggers that are not just about the alarm clock functionality. Um, but the real, the real goal of PillPack is to take what is currently a really frustrated and complicated experience and make it so the thing just shows up and all you have to do is take the meds. I have about eight questions lined up for you, my friend, based on <laughs> the things that you alluded to that we'll dig into. But just while you were talking, one oddity sort of occurred to me now that I think about it, how backwards we can get when we don't intentionally consider what we're doing. And and what I say by this is, for example, you know, myself and other people on productivity crusades, you know, we can spend inordinate amounts of time devising systems. So, you know, our dry cleaning automatically gets picked up or we have some virtual assistant in the Philippines who books meetings or whatever. But, you know, the most important things like our health, we, we think somehow this is ineligible for any kind of systemization, or maybe it's so important that we have to do it by hand our, ourselves. What I really see PillPack doing is using the same best practices that productivity people or, you know, productivity experts use in all other aspects of, of life. In other words, you've got to systematize things and schedule things and make things very convenient if they're actually going to happen. I mean, I don't think anyone would argue with that. Yeah, I think you make a couple interesting points there. I think the first has been one of our biggest challenges is that people assume, uh, they know this is frustrating and complicated, but they just kind of assume it's never going to get better and they deal with what, with what it is. Uh, so to even communicate that there is a better option has been you know, fundamentally one of our biggest challenges is to, to let people know that it doesn't have to be as, as complicated. And then the second point I think is that, that people have approached this problem in a variety of ways from sort of adding complexity or adding, you know, different pieces of technology and widgets to try to, to fix this problem. We really felt like the, the most impactful way to fix the problem was to actually make it really simple and convenient like everything else in your life. And if we make it simple and convenient, then actually you, you will probably be more likely to take your meds because it's not a, a huge chore to do so. I think you, you hit the nail on the head. No one, is, no one approaches healthcare the way that they approach every other industry because it is more complicated and it's more difficult. You know, when you order a pizza, there's really only two stakeholders, the person making the pizza and the person eating the pizza. When you are a pharmacy, you have the payer, you have the physician that needs to write the order, and you have the customer, and they all have different expectations uh, and different intentions. And so you have to coordinate all of that and, and, and in a way that it actually makes it simple. And so it is, it is obviously harder, but I think it also has a much more meaningful impact when you can pull that off. Do you feel like the complexity is probably the main reason why 
this focus on convenience and, you know, maybe I'd even call it user experience has not permeated the the healthcare space? Yeah, I think it has a lot to do with complexity. I think uh, it has a lot to do with folks feeling like they, they don't know where to get started. You know, the folks that have this expertise around user experience, there's just a lot of other things that are that are much more sort of obvious and easier to solve. And so it's one of the reasons that, you know, back in 2012, when Elliot and I were working together on Hacking Medicine, we wanted to start Hacking Medicine, was we wanted a way for people to engage, people that didn't come from healthcare to engage in healthcare and start to understand the system that had expertise that wasn't being utilized in healthcare. And I think a lot of that has to do with the, with the complexity and the feeling that I don't even know where to get started in this, in this ecosystem. Well, it's also interesting, you know, as a, a marketer, I, I can't stumble into a, a meeting about any kind of web development project without somebody saying, you know, convenience is king and yep. you, you have to get the consumer. If that button isn't visible in, you know, 0.8 seconds, then it's not going to get pressed. But one of the, the facets that I think is overlooked is the idea that consumers and you know people have real lives so it's the, the convenience question we often narrow it to talk about what is the consumer experience in that exact moment when they hit that website but the yeah. real factor is how are you integrating with consumers lives overall there's many ways that people have tried to offer convenience in the typical experience like maybe cutting down wait times in a retail pharmacy for example forgetting that this consumer is standing there with, yep. you know, three kids and... Yeah, that's exactly right. And it's why, you know, we wanted to start from scratch with, with sort of no contingencies and no existing experience and think about, you know, what the ideal version of pharmacy would look like. And a lot of that was actually getting into people's homes and understanding what their relationship with their pharmacy was, what, what did happen before they got to the pharmacy and after, and all the complexities that, that went into that. And, you know, if you if you design that experience from scratch, it looks very, very different than your than your current retail pharmacy experience. I mean, a good example of this is that uh, if you take, you know, seven or eight meds, you end up having to go to that store, you know, three or four times a month because they can't do something that seems as simple as syncing up all those prescription refills to the same day in the month. And so if you're a customer, clearly that's a terrible experience, no matter what you do to make the in-store experience better. So how do we eliminate all of those frustrations and complexities and, and just start with something that's that's totally different? So let's talk about your target market for a sec. I'm assuming we're talking about someone with multiple comorbidities. So my immediate assumption is that we're talking about an older individual. Would that be correct? So our customer base does skew a little bit younger than people would assume. So I believe our average customer right now is in the late 40s. Um, so we're not talking about all 20-somethings, but it's not also sort of geared towards people that are only over the age of 65, say. And what you find is that it's something like 10% of the United States is taking five or more prescription meds every single month. And those are all sorts of different types of people. So some of them are certainly elderly, but there's folks with, with conditions like Crohn's disease or mental health issues that, that aren't necessarily old and want a better solution and are, are pretty busy in their day-to-day -day life. Uh, and also just much more sort of interested in adopting new solutions and new technology. Uh, and so we've worked really hard to design the solution to be useful for all sorts of different types of people. And we have, you know, customers as young as seven and as old as, you know, in their 90s. And so it really does hit on a lot of different types of people. And, and we really want to be able to deliver an experience for all of them. I'm kind of battling. There's two forces that are battling in my mind right now. Your service is a mail order service. 
And I've often heard it said that one of the footholds that retail pharmacies have is the loyalty that people feel to their local pharmacist. They actually like to go down to a place and see the pharmacist and talk to them, especially the the people who skew a little bit older in the continuum. On the other hand, a really elegantly designed, very convenient solution also breeds loyalty. Do you have any thoughts on that balance? Yeah, so I think one of the potential misconceptions is that we we are trying to eliminate the, the human touch and the, the personalized experience and I think especially, you know, you go back 20 or 30 years ago when the majority of these prescriptions are being filled at local mom and pop pharmacies with the pharmacist that knew you, that knew your family, that knew how to help you. It, it is a very different world now. The majority of these prescriptions are filled at big box retail stores with, you know, inadequate staff and, and, and folks that are doing their best to provide a great experience, but just don't have the, the tools and the ability to do that. And so we are we really want to be able to use technology to bring that relationship back and, and in a scalable way. We think that, you know, you have your phone in your pocket all day long. And if we make it really easy for you to communicate with us, uh, it will make that that relationship even stronger than than what you have now. Um, and, and certainly stronger than it is at one of these larger retail chains. I do think there are certainly sort of folks that skew a little bit older that do like that relationship and do like the in-person experience and, and, and that's something to do and, and get out of their house to do. And I think on some level, they, they will continue to fill their prescriptions where they do today. And we're not going to acquire every customer that's out there. Um, but there are a lot of people that really would prefer to have a more personal relationship. And those are the folks that, that we think we can serve a little bit better. And I also feel like as you were talking, what did you say the average age of a person taking 10 or more meds is? Uh, an average age of someone taking 10 or more meds is going to skew older than our customer base. So it's, that's probably in the 60s if I had to guess. But our customer base is the average age is 49. So, you know, average age of 49, you also have the wired retired. So that that really would be probably in the sweet spot of people who spend a lot of time with their phones. Yeah, that's exactly right. If you look at, you know, we did a decent amount of research into this demographic. You look at the number of meds, obviously, on an axis is going up as people get older. The interest in new solutions like Popac drops with age. And so our, our best demographic really is the intersection of those two things. It's the intersection of a real need and someone that, that is interested in a better solution. TJ, I understand that you are going to write an op-ed one of these days. <laughs> <laughs> tell, me, tell me about this op-ed that has uh, been in your typewriter for, for a year. If I ever actually have the ambition to sit down and write an op-ed, this will be the one that I write. You know, I think the entire framing and process of prescription refills now is just totally flawed and a really antiquated experience. For us, we have an entire team and we've built an entire platform dedicated to just chasing refills for our customers. Probably eats up something like 30% of our of our overhead from a personnel standpoint. And if you look at the other half of that, which is the physician's office, you have the exact same problem and it's it's super frustrating on their end and probably eats up a third of their productivity trying to respond to these refill requests and, and also using them for things like ensuring that a patient comes and sees them regardless of whether that's really all that related to the medication they're refilling. In my opinion, this is actually done really well in long-term care, where the way that in most states long-term care prescription orders work is that there's a start order from a doctor and there's a stop order from a doctor. And if there was a start order and it hasn't been stopped, you're able to keep filling it. And that means that for something like a beta blocker that a customer has been taking for five years, you don't need another five prescriptions for the next two years to supply that prescription. And I really think we have the infrastructure and tools with e-prescribing to move beyond a world where we're, we're annoying the, the heck out of each other with these faxes to a place where it's something much simpler like a stop and start order. I think we're stuck in a world that 
lived primarily on physical prescriptions, and we haven't updated that to work in a much more obvious way. So I think we annoy doctors, doctors annoy pharmacists. It's just because this antiquated system exists and you go the same way that we're thinking about how to fix the system, you go fix that system. I think you would save a lot of time, energy and frustration. And and at the end of the day, the patient would get the meds that they needed in a more efficient way. So what did you say? 30% of a provider's time is dedicated to managing prescription refills? I have no idea what it is in actuality, but I'm when I've talked to prescribers about this and the frustrations that they have, they have a very similar gut on how much that costs them from a personnel standpoint. And it always is somewhere around that number. So I, I suppose we should, to do an op-ed, I'd have to do the, the actual research to find out if that's true, <laughs> which is probably one of the reasons it hasn't gotten written yet. One of the is, unfortunate. Uh, unless I'm going to get it uh, published in the, the local Concord, New Hampshire newspaper, I'm probably going <laughs> to have to do some real work. But I, I think viscerally, it it, there's no reason it needs to be structured the way that it is today. And at some point, I hope that will change. Well, I think you you bring up a, a really interesting point from a provider standpoint. You know, once again, we're, we're trying to figure out how to be very efficient and help people work to the, the, the top level of their licensure, for example. And if you have a provider office doing something as inefficient, you know, there's a big difference between being busy and being efficient. So yep. being very busy, yep. filling someone's cholesterol medication, which they have been pretty much told they're going to take for the rest of their life, yep. uh, as opposed to actually caring for patients. You're right. That's... Yeah, I mean, we're just bombarding them with paperwork, right? Because there's no, there's no other way for us to get that med to the customer. I think if you... We are basically like Amazon, except for we need a doctor to sign off on the seven different SKUs that are in every single box that we ship every single time that we ship them. And the only way for us to accomplish that in the given context is to fax them constantly to get on the phone and chase those things, which is frustrating for everyone involved and doesn't really add any actual value. So why are we just spinning our wheels on, on trying to solve a paperwork problem when there's just a, a much better solution? No, I'm not familiar with the start and stop in the long-term care environment. Is that for every single medication or is that for meds that are typically used for chronic long-term conditions? For everything but controls. Uh, and so it's for things like beta blockers and, and statins and, and things that don't have any or any meaningful amount of you know abuse potential. Um, so I think what I'm proposing is you would you would use that for meds like that, that if you're taking furosemide and you're holding it from the patient because they haven't seen you and they've been taking that med for five years, that makes no sense, right? Or if we have to fax you 15 times to get a script for furosemide, it just makes, it's illogical. If we have to get an order for another set of morphine because the patient's in a lot of pain, that's a different story. And so I don't think it's a silver bullet in that you, there's no such thing as a prescription in the long run, but I think we could evaluate the majority of meds in a very different way than we do today. I know there was controversy, and I think it was in Washington State, but I could be wrong. Obviously, if I was going to write an op-ed, I'd need to do some research as well. Um, but there was it's much a- more fun to just to just talk, know. you know, with no with no data. It's a lot easier. We'll just publish our findings on the internet because I understand that's a place with very flexible quality standards. Peer peer reviewed podcast is what we're on right now. I think. Um, but it, the controversy was regarding birth control pills. Because generally speaking, the scripts are are given out for a year. And what the one side of the the battlegrounds stated was that they wanted the, the the scripts to be cut off at a year because it forced patients to show up at the gynecologist to get necessary um, cancer screenings and and to actually have a visit. The other side of the equation said, look, that's unrealistic, that it's that the risk is greater than the the gain. 
do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's one of the core problems of, of what I'm talking about is that prescribers and, and, and other folks are using prescriptions as a proxy for all sorts of other things, which makes no sense, right? Like you're holding back something that the customer clearly needs. They're going to clearly keep taking uh, for the sake of trying to sort of force them into coming to see the prescriber. And all the research that's been done around this says that you're better off just letting them keep refilling the prescription than making them come see you. Uh, and so you end up creating all this extra work to solve a problem that should be solved in its own right, in its own way. And I don't think the solution is to hold back a prescription to sort of force someone to come see you for other unrelated things. Uh, it just doesn't, it doesn't make logical sense. Well, it is kind of interesting when you when you put it that way, that the the prescription medicine is almost being used as a, um, you know, it's, it's the... A, it's insane. It's like a carrot to, you, you got to come see me so you can keep taking that beta blocker that keeps you healthy. Right. Like it doesn't, like it, when you like zoom out a little bit and just think about it logically... It, the only reason it's being used in that manner today is it's the only the only carrot that they really have. But let's think about a better solution that doesn't actually inhibit the customer from keeping getting their meds that we all know they should be taking. Put another way, is it a really great carrot considering the adherence problem in this <laughs> right. country today? <laughs> I can't figure out why people don't take their meds, but you can't get that med till you come to this office and see me for an unrelated thing. There's all this like these things that make sense because you're so deep into them. And then you zoom out a little bit and it's like, no, that that's actually doesn't make all that much sense. This is probably an interesting or a, a great place to segue into the adherence uh, situation. How do you, you know, which is obviously a gigantic problem in this country. We don't need to get into the billions of dollars spent on. <laughs> I've never heard any statistics about it, so I would yeah, assume exactly. it's a problem, but again, no data. <laughs> we can make up some big numbers about that yeah. one. What's your take on the adherence problem? Do you feel like what you're doing has any bearing on on adherence? In general, I think it does, and it's it's one of the reasons that we started PillPack. But I think adherence in general is a very multifaceted problem that has a lot of different inputs, right? So sometimes it's really about the price of the medication and a customer can't afford it, and no one was there to help them find a cheaper solution that would help them. Sometimes it's about the fact that they don't understand how the med is working or whether it's actually doing anything, and so the incentive to take it is not there. Um, but then there's a whole, so I don't think fundamentally today we really solve those problems. I think we hope to be able to move the needle on them in the long term. But it is a lot of different facets that cause this problem. I do think, though, that our take on it is that there's a whole lot of folks that don't take their meds when they're supposed to take them because it's so complicated and frustrating. And, you know, you look at things like you show up at the at the pharmacy and you expect to pick up the med that you just ran out of that morning. They didn't have a refill on file and you can't get it for another two days because the doctor hasn't responded yet. Or you, you know, sort the meds into your pillbox, which you mess up that process when you're doing it. You take the wrong med at the wrong time. Or you for, just forget to take your medications and there's no like intelligent reminder that can help you. And so we think our sort of high-level philosophy around this is that if you make it really simple and easy and you take out all the barriers to getting the meds and getting them sorted into the right times, that it will have a meaningful impact on people taking their meds. We don't think it's a silver bullet to solve the quote-unquote adherence problem, but we do think it, it makes a meaningful impact on, on folks that are, that are doing their best to manage this. How can we remove all the complexity around that and just make it so they show up? I mean, right now, I think if you look at a pharmacy, if you're picking up something like an antibiotic that you get as a one-off, it's a very transactional experience. It actually works decently well. It's not a great retail experience by any means, but you give them a prescription, they hand you a bottle, you go about your day, and you feel a little bit better in five days. What, where it starts to really fall down is there's no one coordinating this for you when you take seven meds. And there's no one understanding the relationship between this med and that med. If there's a dose change, you know, how does that correlate to these other meds? 
And no one is coordinating all of that for the customer. And so therefore the onus of coordinating it is on the customer. Someone that has no education on how to coordinate this, no real understanding of how these things work. And we are trying to be that entity that's helping them understand all of this stuff and actually make sure they get what they're supposed to get when they need it. We raise a couple of interesting points. And one of them is what made me think about medication reconciliation, which is a thing. What occurred to me is that medication reconciliation is simply one point in time. So patient comes in, gets all their meds straightened out, but then they still have to walk out the door and remember the next day that the blue pill is the one in the morning and should be taken with the green pill and this one's with food and this one's not without food, with food. Or when they leave that hospital and they get to their PCP and their PCP changes three three of the meds and then what, what does that mean for all of their other meds, right? I think tactically, one of the things that we do that I don't think really is getting done anywhere else is that the day before that your shipment gets created, um, so let's say you get a pill pack manufactured every every second Wednesday, the Tuesday afternoon our pharmacist actually goes through the entire set of medications that are in that pill pack, and this is gonna you're gonna look at what was prescribed recently, what was new since the last shipment, any vitamins or OTCs they're taking, which you never see in a pharmacy, and actually making sure that this all makes sense. And I think for from a clinical standpoint, that's probably the you know the most compelling thing that we currently do. And it wasn't done because we it wasn't sort of the onus wasn't ex- explicitly about being a better clinical experience. It was really we need to make sure that what the customer is getting is what they're expecting, and it all makes sense in context. And it was really about functionally getting them the right pill pack at the right time. But at the end of the day, that is the sort of the best version of a medrec is our customers get a lightweight medrec every two weeks, which is is very much unheard of in, in any sort of healthcare experience. Wow, I didn't actually did not realize that. And that is probably something that if I were a provider, I would be very interested in given the fact that anyone who any one of my patients who is in any sort of value based plan you know, providers are being evaluated on those patients' outcomes. And we all know, do a quick find on the internet and you'll find 18,000 articles about how adherence or, or, and and all the different variations of that. I mean, one of the things that you brought up before is that is, is just how complicated adherence is. And we kind of use this as a grab bag that includes patients not taking their medications, patients taking too many medications, patients taking the wrong medications. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> having this kind of uh, those checks throughout the process to ensure that another prescriber didn't randomly prescribe something which is going to affect what the cardiologist just spent some time doing. I, yep. I, that's of immense value. Yeah. And it's not that it doesn't theoretically happen elsewhere, right? When you fill a new prescription at a, at a retail pharmacy, it gets to the end of the line. There's there's supposed to be some amount of checking about whether there's interactions with other meds and things like that. But it's never in the context of what are all the other meds actually and does that get done every single time. And so we've just systematized it because we needed to for to make sure that the customer is getting the right thing. In reality, we're, we're, we're doing a level of service you're just not going to get elsewhere. So one thing I want to circle back on is what you were talking about earlier about managing refills. Could you talk about how you're sort of helping patients make sure that they don't get themselves in a jam because they forgot to call in a refill and then it takes the doctor uh, you know, a couple of days to get back to them. But on the flip side, are you also doing anything on the provider side to make it easier for providers? Uh, to answer your first question, we effectively built 
a process uh, and system internally in the pharmacy. When we first launched the company, it was very much a very manual process where we'd run a report every day, look at the, any refills that were going to run out in the next 30 days, and then reach out to all the prescribers that were on that report until they were no longer on that report. As we scaled the business, and we now have you know 75 folks in the pharmacy doing this sort of thing, we had to build a process and tools that actually helped this, this work. And so effectively, we built a platform that feels very much like a modern sort of task management platform. It was a little bit like Mailbox, uh, where you're dismissing uh, a task every three days and then saying what you want to do the next time it comes up if it hasn't been resolved in three days. Uh, and so 45 days out from the day that the medication is going to run out, uh, it's going to automatically fax, e-scribe, or uh, we'll call the doctor manually. Uh, that will happen three or four times. If we don't hear back by day 30, we are then manually reaching out to the prescriber, checking in to see if they got the request. Now, we can't always receive the prescription, right? You're going to get responses like the patient needs to come see me before I'm going to refill this, or they no longer take this, or whatever other sort of miscommunication is happening. But we usually know that, you know, two to three weeks from the date that it becomes an emergency rather than the day that the emergency occurs. And so if you need to see the prescriber, you have a few weeks to sort that out before you run out of the med. And it's really just about being proactive and being way ahead of it as opposed to reactionary. And from the provider side, what do they, what do they get from you? Uh, they get a lot of annoying faxes from us right now, probably, to be totally honest. <laughs> we would love to find a way to make their process of this a lot easier. I think it's a little less obvious how to do that in the current uh, the current system. I don't think anyone imagines that a prescriber that has 2,000 patients wants to log into a separate system to approve the refills of 50 of those patients. So how do we actually layer this into their current workflow? And I think that's something we haven't sorted out yet. We would love to figure that out because I think, frankly, it is the biggest uh, amount of stress and obnoxiousness that a pharmacy causes for a prescriber and vice versa. Um, and so we would love to sort of systemically solve that problem. But to date, we're probably we're probably just annoying, to be totally honest. On one hand, I'm going to defend you for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> on, on one hand, you probably are making physician lives, and I'm taking a shot in the dark here, a little bit easier because you're not calling up with fire drills. That's true. That is 100% true. You know, so in other words, a doctor can save up a stack of, of your faxes and then at their leisure go through and address them as opposed to getting called out of an exam room because some pharmacist is on the phone with some, you know, patient who needs a refill now. Yep. I mean, that's totally true, right? We're not paging a doctor on Saturday afternoon because the customer's out of their methotrexate. Like, it doesn't happen. But if it gets a Saturday afternoon, we knew that three weeks ago that that was going to be a problem. So I think in that sense, you're definitely right. So I, I, I don't want to overstate our annoyance or lack of annoyance, but I would say that we're not, we haven't fundamentally solved the other half of that equation, which we would love to be able to do. So one of the things that you did mention very early on in our conversation was this new Reminder app that you are launching. Talk about that for a sec. We launched a Reminder app that we think is is the best version of a Reminder app for not just PillPack customers, but for anyone that takes medications on a regular basis. In the earlier days of PillPack, uh, when a customer would sign up for the service, we would ask them what pharmacy or pharmacies they're currently filling their prescriptions at. We would then call that pharmacy and ask to transfer all the active prescriptions that they had on file. Uh, and then we would, we would either reach back out to the patient or be pretty confident that we had all the meds that they were taking. We did not want a customer to have to fill out sort of a long set of fields with all their medication names and all the prescriber's information because we felt like it would inhibit people's ability and, and sort of desire to switch to PillPack. And so to, to sort of 
help solve that problem, we ended up trying to figure out if this data exists somewhere where we can make it useful. We cobbled together the data so that when a customer signs up now on pillpack.com, at the end of the sign-up, we actually present them with all of their active prescriptions, regardless of where they're filling them. And the customer just literally selects the ones that they want to switch to PillPack. We initially obviously found that data to solve this sign-up problem and then ended up realizing there was a lot of other utility from that data. And so the first version of, of utilizing it elsewhere is this reminder app. So if you're not a PillPack customer, you download the app, you fill out the first handful of fields, which is name, date of birth, address, and last four of social. We can literally present you with all the prescriptions you're filling and your med list shows up automatically, which compared to other reminder apps, you have to literally manually type all of that stuff in. It eliminates one of the biggest frustrations with the onboarding process. We then tried to make the reminders a bit more intelligent than they are today and, and set up a framework that enables them to get even more and more intelligent in the longer run. And so we can trigger you to take your weekday morning meds the second you leave your house in the morning or remind me to grab my meds when I'm leaving work in the afternoon during the week. Um, and you can build in sort of all sets of these rules. They feel, feel very much like Gmail filters where they're very flexible and they don't rely on the individual med itself. They're about your life. And so if one of your meds changes, it doesn't impact your overall preferences for your reminders. And so right now it's, it's activity-based and it's time-based, but we think there's, there's opportunity to layer in, uh, sorry, location and time. We think there's opportunity to layer in things like activity and eventually, you know, in some future world, things like biometric data that we could then make useful for the customer. So if I'm a patient and I would like to sign up for, for PillPack services, do I pay additional beyond the, the, my copay or how does that work? Yeah, so we charge you the exact same as any other pharmacy. So there is no monthly fee. There is no shipping costs. We, it's always free shipping. You literally just pay the copays that you're paying at a CVS or at a Duane Reed or wherever you're filling your prescriptions today. Uh, but we pre-sort and package them and you get all the other benefits that, that we're providing. It does not cost the customer anything more than it would at a traditional retail pharmacy. And as a someone involved in pharmacoeconomics, I have to ask this question. What do payers think of this? Uh, I think in general, from a very high level, payers are very optimistic about what PillPack could do for, for their customer base. Um, I think we, we are hopefully making an impact on people's health in a way that does not cost them anything additional than they're paying today. So it's hard to imagine why that wouldn't be, wouldn't be uh, beneficial to payers. Uh, you know, I think we, we have very much focused on the consumer experience and marketing to consumers. So we do not have a B2B sales force. We have not done things like clinical research to prove outcomes because our customers don't frankly care about that. Um, but I think in the longer term, as we build this business, we'll be more and more interested in building those relationships and doing that research to validate the things that we, that we sort of viscerally think are true. I would be absolutely fascinated to dig a little bit deeper into some of the outcomes of the things that we have been talking about. In other words, you know, we've been talking about how it's pretty well validated every place else in the in the the internet, the behavioral economics of how people appreciate convenience, for example, or a very clean user experience or how well a service integrates with their lives. I, I think it would be just a great validation of uh, of that to be able to prove that this works for healthcare too. Yeah, there's actually a study done in, I believe, 2005 or 2006 at Walter Reed that was something that we based a lot of our work off of, which they pre-sorted and packaged the meds, and they had a pharmacist much more involved in that customer's life. And it actually has the best outcomes of any adherence study that's been done to date at that size. 
Uh, and so there is clinical reason to believe what we're doing uh, will work. One of the main reasons that no one's ever done anything with that research is people couldn't figure out how to actually scale that. They're like, this is very hands-on. Like, how do we sort these meds in an automated way? How do we systematize the, the pharmacist outreach? Uh, and I think we're hoping to do that. And we also think that the research around adherence, oftentimes people stop at whether or not people took their meds, which theoretically has a lot of value to the system, but no one's been able to actually figure out what that value is or how to monetize it. We would love to, to figure out things beyond just whether their adherence moved from 60% to 82%. We want to figure out, does switching to PillPack actually help you with whatever condition you're dealing with? Does it help with your A1C? Does it help with your hypertension? Does it help with you know other conditions that you have and, and get straight to the actual outcomes rather than just the, the impact on adherence? Say there's some provider that's listening to this podcast that's thinking, huh, I would really like to partner with PillPack in order to either do this research or just simply I would like to get my patients on a on a more full service pharmacy program like this. How, how would they how would you recommend that they reach out to you or what should they do? Yeah, I mean, I think if it's a if it's a prescriber that's interested in digging into the, the clinical outcomes that we're working on, I think they should feel free to reach out to me directly. My email is just tjpillpack.com. So it's quite easy. If they're looking to have a, one of their patients sign up, it literally will take the patient three minutes online and the prescriber could do that with them or the, their their sort of admin could help with that or they could just refer them to our site. We also on our site, if you scroll to the footer of pillpack.com, there's a link for providers where we will, will happily send a, sort of a, a stack of flyers as well as a sample pill pack that they could have in their office. And so, you know, we don't have a, a quote unquote sales force reaching out to prescribers, but we do try to make the referral process very simple and easy. Thank you so much for being on the show today, TJ. Of course. This was my pleasure. Thank you very much for reaching out. I appreciate it. Links to everything discussed on the program today can be found at RelentlessHealthValue.com. If you visit the website, RelentlessHealthValue.com, you will also find a complete listing of all of the shows that we have published thus far. There are over 50 at this point with leading entrepreneurs and executives in the healthcare space today. Another cool feature is, you know, you can subscribe to the show so that every week the episode is automatically sent to you so you don't have to remember to go to the website to download it. Thanks so much for listening.